after a long summer break, Formula One is back this weekend, and it's no less than the mighty Spa Francorchamps circuit that welcomes us back. Hello, and welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 223, where we're going to be previewing the 2022 Belgian Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Housen, and joining me today, we have Phil Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. Carl King from the Monkey Seat podcast. Hello. And Grid Talk co-host, Owen Medford. Hello. So, lads, let's get into the preview. Obviously, we've had four weeks off of Formula One, but we're back this weekend for Spa. And I think, Carl, it's very safe to say on current form and current strategy form and everything that Max Verstappen's going to make potentially make it two wins in a row at the Belgian Grand Prix. But hopefully this year, we actually get some racing. Well, that's the thing. Are we even going to get racing? Just looking at the weather forecast at the moment, it looks like it's rain. So, you know, Max Verstappen could do it, even if we get a... A pole on it. If he gets the pole, then he'll definitely do it, I think, whatever happens. But then it is a wet race, so probably Latifi getting high points. So, you know, who the hell knows? But Max is, yeah, I mean, Max is, he's got it wrapped up, I think, now. I don't think there's anyone else that's going to get the win, uh, get the championship. I think he's got it wrapped up. And I think it's going to be another, you know, start to finish, lights to finish podium for him, to be honest. Yeah, it's very hard to see someone else winning the race, really. I mean, uh, Verstappen at Hungary was just unreal. I mean, he obviously had the disappointment in qualifying, but he, he just powered through to win it. I mean, if Ferrari were going to catch a catch Red Bull, it would have been for a race like that. They were in a prime position to do it. But as we've seen so often this season, they messed it up no end. And, uh, and all that they means that... They've got sticks on. <laughs> Yeah, and and all that means that the, I've I've only just noticed this myself. The the championship gaps are, are whopping eighty points between <laughs> between Verstappen and uh, Leclerc, which is just I've had to read that a few times just to believe it. That is a mammoth gap. But yeah, let's talk about Ferrari though next. I mean, uh, Phil, how, how do you see them getting on this weekend? Because for all through this season, Red Bull have had a bit of a straight line advantage over them. It's a very much a power track around Spa, but Charles Leclerc. If, if Ferrari don't mess up the strategy, he has been incredibly quick at times. He himself has done a great job this season, but it's just his team that's letting down so often. So how do you see him and Sainz getting on this weekend? Well, if they can get out of their own way, and if they don't have mechanical issues with their power unit, or they don't have a bad pit stop, or they don't have bad strategy, or Charlotte Claire or Carlos Sainz don't crash, which seemingly all those things have happened this year, um, they can win because they have. The notion that they can't compete, I think that we know the Red Bull's the best car and Verstappen's going to win the world championship. That's fine. We get that. But uh, the Ferrari has a bigger problem now in that the team behind them is closer to them than they have been all year. And they're on an upswing and they've had good pace in qualifying all year. So if depending on conditions for qualifying, they can at least compete there. And at Spa, it's not as track position centric as other circuits, of course, with all the DRS zones and the like. Um, if they can have a clean performance or as clean of a performance that you can really expect from Ferrari, they have a good chance to at least get one podium spot, if not two podium spots uh, on Sunday. But it's going to take, you know, all this nonsense that they've been doing for the first 13 races of the season, a lot of the bad that they've done, which is a reason why Charlotte Claire's 80 points behind Verstappen, they have to get out of that now. Uh, you have three races in 
on in a row here in European uh, racetracks, big racetracks, legendary tracks in in that matter to Ferrari, of course, especially with Spa and Monza bookending it. And it, you need to get some good points out of this group of races before we go to that next set of races. And it would be nice to see them do that. Do I really expect that? I don't know. I really don't know anymore. I have more expectations for who's behind them than I have for, for the Ferrari team at this point. Yeah, Ferrari have on a number of occasions made very average results out of great qualifying results or great situations that seemingly found themselves in, but somehow keep messing it up. It's um, it's, it's just a joke. It's, I can't believe it keeps happening to them. They don't learn from the mistakes at all. And, and someone on the show, I can't remember who it was, but someone on the show said Mercedes are the anti-Ferrari and that they keep making great results or good results out of not so great positions. And like Phil pointed out there, Wayne, the gap between Ferrari and Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship is only 30 points. Mercedes are on a massive upwards trend, but could Spa prove to not be that great of a circuit for them? Because they have struggled around power tracks. And if they're going to get porpoising again, it's going to be somewhere like the Kemmel Straight, where you're uphill, it's kind of bumpy, and it's a very long straight. So how do you see Sir Lewis Hamilton and George Russell getting on this weekend? I don't think it's going to be that bad, to be honest. I don't think they're going to have the outright pace in qualifying. I think, you know, it, I think it depends what they bring to the track. And and honestly, I think that like they say that they've got the porpoising fixed. I'm fairly confident they have done. I think the biggest thing is what ha- what happens when you bl- uh, take the downforce off the car. Obviously, like Spa's a low downforce track. I think it's also going to be an issue for Ferrari as well. Like where, where you know, we expect Red Bull to to be far and away the best, at least because they're in a straight line. But it, yeah, it, it just it. It depends, I think, on where sort of that that balance of power moves towards you or or away from you when you when you're taking downforce off the car. In some ways, Spa's a good sort of track for a car that excels at high speed. But like you say, we've not entirely seen that when it comes to the Mercedes. So it could be a bit of a difficult weekend. But the the team is so. And it's one of those things where you almost expect now um, Mercedes going into a weekend to make the best of, even if they don't have a, a great weekend, they'll make the best of it and they'll find a way to get something out of it. And it is only 30 points. Um, you know, there could be anything that happens up front. Obviously, the opportunity for more overtakes invites the sort of opportunity for, for more incidents. And Mercedes seems to sort of be quite good at staying out of them, at least they're pretty close to overtake like Lewis Hamilton's pretty close to overtaking Carlos Sainz and I think honestly that you know the biggest thing in Mercedes favor is that they've got reliability in spades it seems like so I, I, as much as I think it could be a little bit more challenging when it comes to the actual speed of the car you know the other factors around it uh, lead me to believe it, it could be quite a strong quite a strong weekend for them it's definitely possible. I mean, they're the team on in, with the momentum behind them. I mean, to, I think they've had yeah, they've had two double podiums in the last two races. George Russell, of course, getting his pole position round Hungary as well, which blew us all away, quite frankly. They don't quite have the top pace in terms of the race, but they finish every single time. They've not they've not had a mechanical failure this season. I don't think the only time someone's not finished was when Russell came, went out of the car in a in a Silverstone to check on Joe. I mean, he probably would probably would have finished the race if it wasn't for. Uh, checking on his uh, fellow driver like that, which is very admirable, of course. So, so yeah, I want to give a mention to Sergio Perez next, though, because I kind of skipped past him when we talked about Red Bull uh, just then, Carl. Um, he's, in a way, he's to me, he's fallen off the boil a little bit in recent races, but he still finds himself in third place in the Drivers' Championship and only a couple points behind Charles Leclerc. But is, is this going to be a very important race for him? Because he... Because Red Bull are going to want him to be a bit close to Verstappen, or is Verstappen just that good that they're not expecting him to be close anyway? I mean, it's very much like the old Hamilton Bottas days. He's always going to be behind, no matter what happens. 
let's be honest, he has gone off the boil. I don't know what's going on or whether he was ever really on the boil and everyone else hadn't caught up yet. And the Red Bull was just pulling him forward to be this, you know, the drive that he's had the beginning points of the season. He is slowed down a bit. I think this is a hugely important race for him. It's a track that he should be good at. And it's a car that should work quite nicely around Spa. So I can't see as to why there would be any difference from that one. Obviously, he didn't do that well last season. But uh, at this track, I'm trying to find where he was, even if he was in it. Yeah, he was 19. He spun off. I he think, spun didn't off, he? didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He was one of the one, many ones that spun off, ended up in 19th. So, look, yeah, I don't quite know how he's going to do. I think he's, I still like Perez. I still think he's a great driver. I still think he's in the right seat. I think Red Bull would be silly to ever think about moving him um, from that seat. He's a great support act to Verstappen. But, and I, I don't know whether he's resided to the fact that he's never going to win the championship and he is that second class driver. But it's, you know, at, Red Bull should do everything in their power to keep him because he is a solid driver. And there's, I don't think there's anyone else on that track that would sit nicely in that position at the moment. No, it's a very uncomfortable seat next to Max Verstappen, as we've seen from the likes of Alex Albon and Pierre Gasly, who, and, and even Danny Ricciardo to an extent as well. You know, he, he's a hell of a driver. And uh, yeah, I agree, you know. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, there's, there's a list, isn't there? There's, there's a real shopping list of teammates that Verstappen is, uh, is beat or just forced out of the team uh, for, for whatever tactics he needed to do. So, yeah, I mean, Perez is, um, yeah, Perez is a great driver, of course. You know, they don't want to go moving him on, especially while both Alfa Tauri drivers are not really performing that well, to be honest, this season. But we'll get on to them shortly. First, we'll talk about uh, the best of the rest team. Alpine finding themselves in fourth position, the Constructors' Championship, and seemingly feel that they're pulling out a bit of a gap between uh, themselves and McLaren in that in that battle for best of the rest. Um, but how do you see them getting on this weekend? Because Spa, weirdly, is one of Alonso's worst tracks. He's never run, won round here, despite how many wins he's had in Formula 1. And uh, Esteban Ocon as well. He's, he's done pretty well over, uh, here over the years. So how do you see them getting on this weekend? I think with uh, Alpine being a few points ahead of McLaren, uh, trying to just maximize their position there, this next three-race stretch, uh, um, I lean towards the, the next two races after this being more suited towards the Alpine team. Uh, I think McLaren would have a better chance in this spot at, at Spa. But, you know, Alonso's had a few weeks off. He was at the MotoGP. He got to go and uh, watch uh, his buddy Alicia Spargo uh, run at the Austrian Grand Prix. So he's got to relax, follow up his plan. And um, maybe his plan to finish out the rest of this year is to actually do some good work for the Enstone team uh, to finish out his third stint with them, hopefully. That's what they're hoping, to get fourth in the Constructors. Ocon has been, you know, Ocon. Uh, we were talking about it, Tom and I, yesterday, and uh, everybody here is, of course, a bit, if you want to do an uncensored thing, we'll do it again. We'll talk about it offline, but it was a good, fun show. Went off on, on Fernando Alonso for a little while, but um, Ocon has been really, I guess what he has always been, you know, very inconsistent. He'll have his good days. He'll have his good moments, show a lot of pace, but then there will be other times where you're like, what happened to him? So you have to balance those things out. You have the other Ferrari-powered teams behind. That can also have a chance to get into Q3. 
that could also adjust and affect their strategy. The weather will also play a role because it always does at Spa. The reality of the world, though, is double points finish for Alpine is their goal, and that's what they're looking for. And in all likelihood, with you know all things considered, they should be able to do that. Now, there are obviously extenuating circumstances that could play into that. Alonso has had if he his qualifying's kind of been on and off. He's had those great qualifying runs, like he had at Canada, getting on the front row. But then he can also be out of Q Q two as well. So um, we'll see what happens. I think practice coming back from this break and and uh, the qualifying will kind of uh, give us a little window about what they're looking at here over these next three weeks. I I find these next three weeks to be the defining factor for the season itself. We already know who's a world champion, likely the Constructors Championship, but there are a lot of players and a lot of things in play here that can be determined at these circuits before we get off to Singapore and some of the other inner um, flyaway races. And I think this is a big time for all these teams and um, Alpine needs to go and set the table against McLaren here. Um, with the turmoil they're going through right now with their driver situation. And of course, Alpine has their turmoil going on too, but um, try to go and take the better car per se and um, take advantage of that. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I mean, um, you mentioned the weather there. I just had a look at the forecast myself. Obviously, it's Spa. Anybody who's been to Spa knows how unpredictable and inaccurate this weather forecast can be at times, but it does say a lot of rain, thunderstorms on the Saturday for qualifying on the race, scattered showers. So there's definite potential for some uh, wet weather running at some point during this weekend. Let's just hope it's not like last week, uh, last year's where it's uh, where we obviously didn't get a race at all. Because you know, we don't want the people who actually go to the track to suffer that two years in a row. That'd be, that'd be a real travesty for the sport. I have to mention as well that we that we do want to keep Spa as well. There's all these rumours about Spa going off the calendar in the future, about this being the last year for it. And I think that would be an absolute tragedy. I really would do for Formula 1. It's one of its one of its most challenging, most awesome tracks. I absolutely love it to bits, and I do not want to see it go. I think it'd be horrible for the sport if that happens. So let's hope we see it on the calendar again next year. But yeah, let's let's move on to uh, McLaren, the team in fifth in the Constructors' Championship. Just four points, to be fair, between uh, themselves and Alpine. So they're keeping in that battle. But Owen, like like we keep saying, it sounds like a broken record. Lando Norris is getting the most out of the car. Daniel Ricciardo, for the most part, really isn't. For whatever reason, he, he it's just not working out for him. He, I mean, he got he got two points finishes in a row between Austria and France, but just nowhere in Hungary again. So how do you see getting him, him getting on this weekend? Because it is a circuit he has won around in the past. Yeah, he has. I can't remember exactly when, unfortunately, so I can't speak to too much about how... 2014. Uh... Uh, uh, that is a long time ago. Uh, it is a long at, time at this ago. point. That is, that is uh, goodness me. That is that is a log while. Uh, I see the thing. The thing for me about McLaren is, you know, Lando Norris is doing a great job, hundred percent. But it's sort of a tale of two cities because, you know, not two meters away on the other side of the garage, probably a bit more. You know, Daniel Ricciardo, he's almost dead weight. Um, it's really holding them back. I mean, the writing's on the wall for. For where he's going next year, but I, 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 I almost think it's worth a buyout clause. So, and as much as Ocon may be inconsistent, I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like he's less inconsistent than. Well, I actually know. I mean, the, you know what the stats speak for themselves. Ocon's got three times the points of Ricardo, and you've got and you've got you know a, 
Alonso's only got double, but you're getting Alonso. So I, I, it's one of those things, I think Alpine, particularly with the f- strength of form that they've had in recent races, I can't see McLaren, unless they have a blinding weekend, getting anywhere close to, to overcoming, you know, like to getting back into fourth place in the uh, in the constructors by the end of this weekend. I, I honestly think it's a, it's a real uphill battle for them. Maybe the summer break has revitalized Ricardo and he thinks, you know what, I need to show that I am worth having because we still haven't had that announcement about Piastri. So I'll show that I'm worth having and really put in some massive performances, which he hasn't had, obviously had a chance to do. Well, with Fernando Alonso's announcement coming right into the summer break. So it's, um, I think it's one of those things where it's, uh, he really needs to, if he wants to stay in that team and he, he needs to, he needs to buck his ideas up. But, um, other than that, I think McLaren is going to go backwards. Uh, well, I think I think one of the two cars is definitely going to go backwards. Lando Norris is absolutely doing his best to, to to get the most out of that car, and he's doing an excellent job, in my opinion. It's just that McLaren need. We've said it a few times. They're fighting with one hand tied behind the back, you know, and it's just not fair for them. Uh, Norris can get seventh, but if Alonso and Ocon get like a sixth and an eighth or something like that, then it's just it's just you know it's not going to work. They're going to lose points overall, and. You could argue, I'm glad you mentioned that, Owen, you could argue that the, the biggest battle between Alpine and McLaren right now is off the track and in the courtroom because we're going to see what happens between them and Piastri. And we don't know what's gone off, obviously, but it seems like McLaren may get Piastri. And obviously, if McLaren do that, then Ricardo's out the door. And where's he going to go? Maybe Alpine, who knows? But maybe he might. Maybe they might not want him after his, the way he's been performing recently. And uh, you can understand why because he'd come with a big salary as well. So we'll see what happens with McLaren. Um uh, I'm, ho- I'm hoping they'll do well. Norris put in a hell of a lap in qualifying last year, but obviously had a horrific accident as well in that qualifying session. So if he can keep the pace and keep the car on the track, could see a good result for them. Let's go to uh, Alfa Romeo next, Carl. What, probably the most improved team this season, I'd say, overall. But recently, they've not been doing too well. They've had four races in a row without scoring points and Haas are bearing down on them quickly. So how do you see them getting on this weekend? Because Joe's been picking up more pace and but Bottas if anything's maybe gone a little bit further back with the car so how do you see them getting on I really want show to do well I really do but he's so far behind I was just I just, I just thought I'd look at the point oh my god like you're talking about Ricardo being you know Dav- Norris being three times as many points I mean we're talking 10 12 times as many points between Joe and Bottas I mean this car could do well it is up to Ferrari's engine as to whether it decides to play ball, I feel, half the time with. They are a really interesting team. I think Bottas will be... Bottas will hold himself up this time. And I think Joe has the promise to do well. And I really want him to do it. I think he will. He's he's definitely got more... How do I call this? More pizzazz, for want of a better word, than some of the other teams uh sorry the other drivers that are on there and i think it is a good pairing i think joe has a lot to learn off bottas and a bottas has a lot to teach joe but i think it's a really interesting team i don't i think how will they do this weekend i think they'll be they'll be in the points just one of them will but it's a flip of the coin as to who or what at the moment and it will only be just if they ever get there yeah, very true. Very true. They've, uh, yeah, the car seems to have gone off a bit recently. Yeah, they're very promising starts to the season, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not going too great at the moment. And the gap between Alfa Romeo and, uh, passing the Constructors Championship, it's, it's a decent one to be fair, 17 points, but it was, it was looking for a bit, Phil, as though Haas were really going to 
overtake Alfa Romeo really soon. And that was after a pretty dismal mid part of the first half of the season. It's kind of described. Obviously, Magnussen did really well in the opening race, but for a while after that, there wasn't really anything to bring, uh, you know, shout about. But how do you see them getting on this weekend? Because, um, you know, Bahrain's a power track. They did really well there. They, Spa's obviously a power track too. Kevin Magnussen's got a lot of experience. And Mick Schumacher looks like a, a new driver ever since he scored his first points. I think the freedom is there for them, George, in terms of uh, they're kind of playing with house money. Considering how bad it was last year, um, we've went, we've waxed about it on this show plenty of times, but they're in a position with a team that they were behind last year where they could pass them being possibility of sixth, you know, in constructors, which you wouldn't have thought was possible this time last year. They're, they do have the upgrades for both cars coming for this race. Uh, they're only upgrades, of course, that they're going to have this year. So maybe that helps them. But I, I am the one concern I do have is based on what other teams have had this year with some of the upgrades they've had have not exactly worked out so well. That's my only concern for Haas, but it is a power track. Haas, like the Alpha Sauber team, is very good on these fast, long, straightaway type um, racetracks. Uh, I do feel like Kevin Magnuson, uh, he's been on a little bit of a downtrend. I think he wants to get back up, uh, you know, right on the edge of points like he had been earlier in the season, getting those decent finishes. Uh, Mick is really has the energy, as you said, and this is a circuit I think that suits him. Of course, it suited his father very well too, but I think it's one where he can go and really put his best foot forward. And I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Haas was uh, up there in the front half, in the top half of the field uh, this weekend, fighting for some good points. I think that's the kind of racetrack where they have to maximize because there are other circuits that they're definitely not as strong at. Yeah, it's a big opportunity for the end of the day. They just need to, well, not necessarily get a decent qualifying result, but obviously have some good pace in the race. And I do find it fascinating, like you said, about how passive not upgraded the car at all until just now this year. It's, I think that I think that's amazing. It really speaks to the fact that you don't have to just pump money into a team and just hope that it works. Like, they they've really maximised the package. They really understand it, and I hope these new upgrades from do the job because. They think they can absolutely overtake Alfa Romeo into sixth, and that'd be a huge upturn from last year. It really would be. But let's talk about the team behind them next. And, and surprisingly, it's, it's Alfa Tauri going. I mean, the car is just, just again, it's just dropped off a cliff, and the drivers don't really seem able to get a decent result out of it. It's been five races in a row they haven't scored any points, which for a team like them, with how good they've done in recent times, I mean, they won a race two years ago. You know, of how well they've done at times. It's it's a huge downturn in fortunes. How do you see them getting on? Because it's um while while Sonoda has improved a lot this season, it does seem that Gasly has gone the other way, if anything. So it's um yeah, the star driver's not really been performing. Yeah, I mean the positive for Sonoda is that it seemed to be approaching the same map, uh, same level of performance. Unfortunately, uh that's not in the way that Alpha Tori would have hoped. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> I don't really know. Like, uh, I think they've been struck by quite a lot of reliability issues, which is weird. Bearing in mind that you know, apart from the ones at the start of the season, they're you know their sister team, 
sister team at this point um hasn't really been struck by them it's just um it's really just not gone their way they've just been a bit unlucky but i don't think you can be, like well, i just say that you kind of think you can be a bit a bit unlucky five races in a row to score no points so yeah if anything it makes the fact that they're above a number of other people a little bit more uh amazing when you when you look at the points totals for both drivers where they are in the championship though obviously does reflect that and it's um you know it's, a, it's an uphill battle from here in um it's sort of the run into the end of the season i know it's only halfway because of the way the season is but uh, you know they don't really share the the high straight line speed characteristics that you again need around spa you need that and you need a car you can trust throwing around into high speed corners i kind i'm not even sure you can do that then again rain is the big uh, leveler and we haven't had too much of that this year so we don't really know where things are going to play out once once the heavens open you know it's uh it, I, th- I think it's going to be difficult you know you've got to assume that everyone's taken as much of a step after the summer break as you have and you know i i, I can't see it be anything uh different to business as usual really yeah i, I don't see them doing too much to be honest with you and it, it's a real concern for them because it's a long run for them without scoring points so uh, the, the threat from behind is, um, you know, greater than the chances of, you know, uh, improving their position. I mean, that, Aston Martin in ninth, I mean, they, they've not scored big points, to be fair, much this season at all. They have scored in six of the last seven races, which for a team in ninth speaks to, you know, solid, if not a, quite a bit unspectacular at times. But obviously, Sebastian Vettel announces he's going to retire from the sport. But Lance Stroll, he's good in the wet. If it's wet round Spa, then... Carl, could we see a decent points finish today? I know you, you're scrunching your face up. You don't know what I'm talking about, but he has had some good performances in the wet struggle. Oh, he yes, he has. But it's more, yeah, he's had he's had an okay performance and everyone else has spun out. Let's be honest. That's how we've got <laughs> to that point. You know, he's not, he's not done anything spectacularly. He's just managed to drive around a wet circuit. And he does that admirably. Admirably. Yeah, that word. But I don't think he's a super wet driver. He's not Landon Norris in the wet. He's not ducking and diving and trying to find those lines. He is going around on the driest line he can find and just getting around safely. And and because he's normally so far back and the distance is so far away from anyone, he's not going to crash into anyone. So, you know, the chances are he's not going to be... Like, he's going to be in the points if it's a wet race, granted. But he's not going to be spectacular and he's not going to do anything spectacular. Vettel, uh, this is the first race since his announcement, isn't it? If I remember correctly, or did I imagine that? So uh, it'd be interesting to see whether he's clocked out and gone home and taken the paycheck, thank you very much, or whether he's planning to go out in a blaze of glory. I'm hoping for the latter, and I'm hoping that he's going to make every effort to get out there and you know put his foot down and make something happen. Because he is a phenomenal driver, Vettel, but... You know, he's not got the car and he's got an Egypt as a, you know, as a sidekick. So, you know, what can you say to that, no matter if it is in the rain or not? So, you know, good luck, studio. Have fun, but it's not going to happen. If they get points, it's because everyone else has spun out. <laughs> well, everybody else, except for Williams, who sadly this year, unfortunately, uh, even worse, still, you know, bottom of the Constructors' Championship. They, although saying that, Phil, I think most people would agree potentially could, there's a better vibe around the team maybe this season, but seeing a repeat of the podium they got like here last uh, going to a spa last year, it's just not going to happen. I think any kind of points for them is a, is a big stretch to be honest. Yeah. I mean, last year, George was on his heater and he qualified outside front row and his BFF 
try to end himself going through Eau Rouge, going for another qualifying lap when he could have probably won the race thinking about what happened the next day. They do not have it this year. We pontificated about Williams, I think, for a good half an hour. I don't know. I think that's the most that anyone's really talked about. Uh, Tom and I did that yesterday, and we spent more time on Williams, and I think most of most people have spent on Williams in the last uh I don't know, 10 years, or at least since 2014 or something, whatever. feel bad for Albon in the sense that he has done, I think, the best that he can given the circumstances of what the car is and what they're providing him. He's not as good as George, obviously, so that's why it hasn't been as good. But then also their car is just not good. They made this massive upgrade. They said, oh, it's going to get them half a second. And they're just as slow, if not slower, than what they were at the start of the year. So... What are these people doing? What do they have at the, sh- the factory that they can't make a make the car faster? They're just making the car the same or slower. Uh, it's it's kind of that's it's it's counterintuitive. <laughs> it's a it's kind of like being like one of those back end teams that was around in like 2010, essentially. I mean, Latifi, God bless him. There's a seat at Junko Hollander waiting for him in IndyCar next year. I'm sure the the drivers will love that Lavazza coffee or he'll be in, in IMSA or, or WEC in a hypercar program uh, because uh, he isn't going to have a job. So uh, there really isn't going to be anything unless a massive, you know, you have like kind of like what Carl was doing to his fellow Canadian compatriot um, stroll. Um, unless half the field is like wrecked, like uh, the first lap incident back in like 98. I don't think Williams is really going to score points this weekend or do anything of great significance. Um, the weather does play a greater factor, though. Latifi did make Q3 in a rain-affected qualifying at Silverstone and stayed up in the top 10 for most of the race at Silverstone until the late uh, safety car. And for whatever reason, Williams kept him out, and then he fell out of the point. So who knows? Stranger things have happened. They have indeed, but I think uh, Latifi for the points is becoming less of a bold prediction and more of an impossibility. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe a real surprises. But if anyone's like to score points for Williams this weekend, it is Alex Albon, who I think is doing his absolute most in that car. Obviously, some may argue that it's very easy for him, given Latifi's his teammate, but you still got to be what's put out in front of you, and he's absolutely wiped the floor of him knowing. So we'll see how they get on this weekend. I do want to give a mention as well. If you give us a five-star review on iTunes, you can get a shout-out at the start of the next show, which is always greatly appreciated. And also give us a five-star review on Spotify as well. I think, we, I think we're think we approaching 100 reviews, or we might have passed 100 reviews recently on Spotify, which is massive. So thank you so much for that, everybody who's done that. and really helps us out in the rankings. But yeah, we've gone through all the 10 teams, all the 20 drivers, so let's get into our predictions now. So I'll start us off. I'll go with I'll go with a not so bold prediction of Max Verstappen to win the race. I think I just think him and Red Bull are just too good, and Ferrari even on a good day, even if they get the strategy right, which is a big if. I think even then they won't they won't be quicker. I just don't see it. And I'm gonna say I will say that Charles Leclerc will get second and third place. Because she's been on such a good run recently. I'll go for Lewis Hamilton. There's a bit of a, a bit of an aspirational one, but I'll say Lewis Hamilton to get another podium. That'd be his sixth in a row if you manage that by getting third place. Owen, what's your top three prediction? Uh, I can't go in with anyone else, but Max Verstappen. Um, it, it, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, you know, Sergio Perez in second for me. And then mm, I'm going to go with 
I don't know, actually. Um, I'm going to go with George Russell in third. That's what I'm going to go with. Fair enough. I'm going to guess that Carl does not have George Russell on his podium. But let's hear it from the man himself. Oh, do you know what? I actually do. Um, I think it's going to be an all. I think it's going to be an all British one, two, three, purely because it's in the wet, and who the hell knows? So I think it's Norris, um, Hamilton, Russell. So I generally think it's going to be an all British one, two, three. I just think that you know that it's it's such a mad race. Why not have a mad result? We had it last year, so you know. And I think it'll be really ironic that Russell still can't. Uh, Russell wouldn't be able to get a number one even on the rat race, you know, after everything and after his last year's stupid madness. So, look, you know, let's see what happens. But I still think Hamilton will beat his ass, whatever happens. I, I, knew, I knew you couldn't compliment him too much and you had to get some kind of backhanded insult in there at some point. It had to happen. Just to clarify, you're going for Lando Norris for the win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let, let's go on. This is a wet, wet, wet race. Lando Norris, you know, he's a champion in the wet and goes for it in that in that on that track, as we saw last year as he spun out. So let's and I think there's gonna I think qualifying is gonna be a wet race, wet qualifying. And I think it's gonna be a rained off qualifying. So it's gonna be really interesting because it'll be a Sunday kickbollock scramble. Um, well, let's let's see what happens. I mean, I would say that stranger things have happened. That'd be up there. That would be up there. Let's see what happens though. Phil, what's your top three prediction? Uh, I'll go with um, I'll go with uh, Carlos Sainz actually to go and win on Sunday. Not Leclerc, not Verstappen. I'll say that uh, uh, Leclerc finishes second and Lewis finishes third. Uh, Max has a mechanical issue um, that knocks him out of the lead, um, which he was probably going to end up winning the race easy. That's Probably more wishful thinking on my part, and I figure that Max Verstappen's going to win. But whatever, I'll just I'll just try to put it in the ether and hope that Ferrari can actually make it interesting. I would hope so from a championship perspective. It would be like nice to see Ferrari do well. I, I just I just, I just personally don't see it, but who knows? Stranger, again, stranger things have happened, so we'll see how that goes. Now I'm going to go for my bold prediction. I'm going to go with an unusual one here. I'm going to say just because he's leaving the sport, there's no pressure on him. Potentially a wet race. He does do some very good strategy calls with the team. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Sebastian Vettel. I'm gonna say Vettel for a top six to match his best, at least match his best result this season for the Aston Martin team, which would be huge for them if they managed to do that. That would really close the gap between them and uh, AlphaTauri. Owen, what's your call for ball prediction? I just want to say good strategy calls in the wet. Did you see Turkey last year? <laughs> well, it, not necessarily the wet. I mean, just this season, some of the calls they made—they did work well for them at Baku and stuff like that. So, All right, and to be fair, they got a good result in Imola as well. That was a wet race. <laughs> double points finish, I think. Or was it double points? Yeah, it was double points. Uh, still, um, I'm not. It's a bold prediction for reasons. It's not likely. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have an issue with the prediction. I just had an issue with the justification. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Fernando Alonso for a podium. Ooh, I like that. I like that. It doesn't put it in your top three, but does that? Okay. He's edging his bets. They I all do this. I never subscribe to... I never, I, I never make them have, have to align with each other. <laughs> I'm well known for this. <laughs> he is, to be fair, yeah. But if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can find us at uh, Formula One Grid Talk. Um, so yeah, just search for F1 Grid Talk and you find us. 
<laughs> so after she won that in somewhere, <laughs> Cole, what's your bull prediction? Or do I even need to ask given the podium that you said? Uh, Ferrari won't screw up their strategy. I mean, that's almost impossible. It, w- it will, of course, happen, but, you know. Then she gets points. Ferrari don't mess up the strategy. <laughs> oh, they're equally likely. They are equally likely. You bet, you know, it's a bold prediction. You can tell us some of us have gone a bit stir crazy for because no, there's no Formula One for nearly a month. <laughs> That's what MotoGP the other week. <laughs> Desperate times, mate. Desperate times. Oh. No offense to anybody who watches MotoGP as well as Formula One. Uh, Phil, <laughs> you are one of those people. So, that <laughs> what's your podium predictions? <laughs> well, we don't get it live anymore around here, so I only get to see the highlights. Uh, and Quattro still going to win the world championship anyway i'm going to go and say mick schumacher qualifies and finishes in the top six i like it i like it he's he's on a real upturning form and spa is the kind of track where you could you know really pull out a surprise result so yeah those are those are our predictions and our uh ball predictions as well uh, I'm going to give you guys a chance to plug your outlets as well. So, Carl, I mentioned that you're part of the Monkey Seat podcast. Uh, it's a great show, but where where is that and where could, what is that and where can people find it? So, it's a very sweary, no no bars held held uh, uh, podcast with myself and fellow Grit Talk uh, now um, host uh, Tom Horrocks, um, and we swear a lot and muck about and talk about Fallen One quite a bit in silly ways. It's at Monkey Seat Pod on all the socials and Monkey Seat Podcast, uh, Mot- Monkey Seat Motorsport Podcast, I think it is, on all your um, on all your podcasting platforms. And you're sure to find us there. Um, and we've got one coming up, I think, next week or this week. Fair enough, fair enough. Some may describe it as a British version of the GSP, Phil. Would you agree with that? I would say so. Uh, it's kind of un- it's unfiltered. It's uncensored. It goes off the rails plenty. Um, I will give Carl and Tom credit. They do keep it much tighter than um, Josh and I do. Uh, they try to get it within a reasonable time for consumption. Uh, my our show, the Grip Strip Podcast, is more for the the working person that wants something to listen to during a boring Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, perhaps uh, you want to get through the your case of the Mondays. The Gripster podcast is for you. We cover all things motorsports. We cover Formula One. We cover IndyCar, NASCAR. We cover MotoGP. Uh, we're getting into the NFL season since it's coming up here shortly. Uh, get a little bit of Premier League since uh, my team has seven points, so I'm happy about it. I have to celebrate now because it isn't going to last. Uh, so, um, <laughs> But the fact of the matter is uh, we will talk about all kinds of things on there. We're on all platforms, essentially, where you can find podcasts. And you can find me at Philip G. Matthew. You can find us at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. Um, Philip G. Matthew on Twitter and my co-host JP Huffine on Twitter. And uh, as always, thanks, George, for having me on. And it's great to hang out with everybody and uh, just shoot the breeze talking about Formula One. It's nice to have F1 back again. It kind of gets weird, you know, during the summer break. You don't really have it just you don't know what you're supposed to do with your Sunday mornings. So now we now I know what to do with my Sunday mornings, at least for the next three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I have to spend time with family and friends and stuff instead. It's just, oh, it's just so weird. <laughs> yeah, Human definitely. interaction? What's that about? 
<laughs> God, that's so 2019, guys, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely check out the GSP as well. I've been on that show a few times. And, you know, I'm so happy that the uh, the the show with uh, two of uh, Grid Talk's cult heroes, obviously Phil and uh, Tom Downey, uh, that show's finally happened now. When will it be out, Phil? Is it out already? Or? I'm working on it. Uh, I'll try to get it out here later this week. Um, I'm going to send the files over to Tom to see what he wants to do in regards to distributing it on EF1, but we'll also distribute it on the grip strip side. Uh, uncensored view of, I guess, 4th through 10th in the constructors with a little bit of talk about Ferrari, but then Tom had to go home, so uh, he cut it off. So that's all on Tom. <laughs> I'm sure it's a great show regardless. Um, oh, and I've mentioned that you're one of the uh, co-hosts here on the Grid Talk podcast. But is there anything else you want to plug? I don't think I can reasonably plug anything that I've written recently. So I'm now just going to use this time to mourn the fact that I didn't get to use Manchester United as a uh, as an allegory for uh, for for Aston Martin. Re- you know, pre- previously very very successful, and then in recent years, with the advent of big money, has created a toxic culture that's left them the bottom of the table. There we go. That's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> Worse than it, worse than a, worse than a Formula a Formula Two team. That's what I'd say. That's that's all I wanted to do. I'll be honest. Uh, I was I was waiting for it, and I never got a chance to do it. But as a United fan, I had to. I had to. I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in ten minutes, uh, as we're recording this, uh, Manchester United are going to kick off against Liverpool, which I think a lot of people get entertainment out of. But let's let's see what happens. I would when say Stranger Things off, happen. Do you mean store, st- stage a massive protest? <laughs> that's. That's also what's going to happen. Yeah, there could there could be a there could be a mass uh, mass walkout after about thirty minutes. But anyway, that's enough to talk about football. Um, so, so yeah, if you want to check out our show as well, obviously we do normally go out live on uh, live on our YouTube channel. We're doing that this weekend for the qualifying and the race show about an hour after it comes out. So after the session session finishes, I should, I should say. Uh, just search for Grid Talk on, on YouTube for that. You can also like us on Facebook. You can go to our website, fromchronicle.com. You can get all the shows there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, at F1 Chronicle, and we're also available on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, Pocket Cast, and the F1 Chronicle website, all of them on there. So, yeah. I want to thank my panelists for coming on this uh, on, the, on this Monday evening. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, we're back on Saturday to analyse qualifying for the Belgium Grand Prix. Catch us on YouTube for that. Thank you very much for listening and watching. Goodbye.